tell us, Ari, it's a joy, it's a privilege, it's an honor to be here. And um, this is, of course, it's family to me, um, to my husband and Karen and Cherish who are here with me. Um, I do have something specific that I felt that he's given me for tonight. So Holy Spirit, I thank you <coughs> that you are the, you are everything. And we just, I just state my utter dependence on you tonight and that you would have me bring forth only what you want tonight. I thank you for each person in this room, every son, every daughter. You know, and when uh, we were in worship, <coughs> I just want to say that I, I just heard the Lord say for this house, you know, you already know this, but you're known in heaven. There is nothing more important than that. Nothing. That you are known in heaven. That this house, heaven postures itself to, it presses in. I could just feel the acceptance and the delight. And I literally saw the robe of Jesus, a purple robe, just descend and come around this house. And there's a, a place of a priestly intercession and a kingly call for this house. And a lot of what is done is hidden, but it's a beautiful thing because he does precious, deep things. He releases mysteries and secrets in the hidden place. You're known in heaven. And there's nothing more important than that, individually and corporately. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I'm going to um, be unfolding tonight with the Holy Spirit's help a passage that I'm sure you've probably heard preached, I don't know, depends on how long you've known the Lord, <laughs> many times, a few times, hundreds of times, you've probably read it yourself hundreds of times. But I'm asking that, you know, we don't just, what I'm, I'm, uh, tonight is about um, going into, if you will, the timelessness of God, the timelessness of heaven, that we enter into and that we experience an encounter with these shepherds encountered. So Holy Spirit, bring us into the timelessness of God, into the timelessness of heaven, into the timelessness of your kingdom. Let this familiar passage, let us hear it as if we're hearing it for the first time. And let us be as these shepherds. Let us step into their shoes tonight. And experience what they experienced afresh for ourselves. For your glory, I pray, Jesus. That night in the field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. 
for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. And when the choirs of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. And upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. And everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all of these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified um, him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Holy Spirit, by your grace and by your truth and by your light, would you help me would to unfold this? Would you give us ears to hear afresh and to see afresh? Oh, my gosh, the depths of this miracle. The radiant splendor of the angel, just picturesque. I mean, we're these shepherds in this field. We're not in this room right now. We're the sh these shepherds in this field. And suddenly, the splendor of this angel shows up, and they are terrified. Absolutely terrified. They're on the night watch. They're doing what they did every single day of their lives, caring for the sheep, watching day and night over their care. And suddenly, here's an angel of the Lord, and he is so brilliant. He is so radiant with splendor. And this whole entire field is lit up with blazing glory and fire. This is not a little spotlight. This is not a little tree. This is a blazing glory that the entire field, as far as their eye could see, is lit up with a suddenly, and they are terrified. Their hearts are racing. Their mouths have gone dry. Their palms are sweating. Their eyes have dilated and their knees are going weak. It's pitch dark out. The only light they probably had was the little fire they would have had to try and keep themselves warm through a cold winter night. And now it's brilliant. Come on. It's brilliant. And there's an angel that's talking to them from heaven where there is only light. So the angel comes, and he doesn't just come with the light of heaven. He comes with the very essence of heaven. He comes with heaven's atmosphere of life and light and the breath where all is life and all is light. This is what has descended into their midst. He comes with hope eternal. And when this angel comes, suddenly their minds are illuminated. Suddenly, their hearts are awakened. 
You see, it's only when heaven shows up that we can understand. Like, we, why don't they get it? We only get it because of God's grace. We only get it because of his mercy. We only get it because his spirit illuminates our minds and awakens our hearts. That's what causes us to fall on our knees every time. So they're awakened immediately, and their spirits understand. This is amazing. The words of truth that they're speaking is being spoken from the Father of lights through this angel to these shepherds. And so the angel's first response to the reaction and to the sure them, I've already read it, but I'm going to unfold this. Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring the good news, the most joyous news the world has ever known. What does he do? He does what Jesus does because he's an ambassador sent by God to be a representation, to be a voice. Only Jesus is the exact representation, but the angels come also as ambassadors sent in assignment. So he speaks and he calms their hearts. Hmm. He's come with a purpose. He's come with a message, not of destruction, but of hope. It's the best news. It's the good news. It's the best news they have ever heard. It's the best news we have ever heard. And he was telling them, he didn't go to kings in a palace. He went to shepherds in a field. He didn't go to the religious leaders in temples. He went to the simple ones, the ones on their watch, caring for the sheep. The simple of heart is who God is always looking for. His eyes are looking, ever looking to and fro. Where are the simple of heart? This is not simple of mind. This is not um, saying that we're um, ignorant or uneducated or slow. Um, no, it's that we're not complicated. We're not high-minded. We don't have high opinions of ourselves. I don't mean not valuing ourselves. That's two very different things. Um, it's those who walk in a life of simplicity. It's those who walk in simple devotion to God. This is who he's looking for. And the ones that he doesn't have to process through all these layers of mental intellectualism. Now, I'm not talking the wisdom of God. I'm not talking the brilliance and the mind that he gives us, the mind of Christ, but the brilliance of eternity that he gives to us. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It's, but it's this heart-to-heart -heart connection. It's heart-to-heart -heart communication that he's looking for. And so the wise here um, are not the ones with the wisdom of Solomon, but it's the ones who think that they know everything. You know, he, this, he confines the wise. He confounds the wise. That's the ones who, I know everything. I've got all the answers. I've got it all figured out. No, no. That's, you see, that's, and when we have that place, what happens is we miss the message of the heart. Because he always speaks here, always. 
And so um, the angel says to them, he tells them the good news. And I love this. I love it from the Passion Translation because it says, it's for everyone, everywhere. Now we know that. But as we just, you know, we, the importance of meditating on these passages that, like, we know so well. But it's almost become, it's like this Christmas card. You follow what I'm saying? It's this Christmas story. No, this is history. This is his story. History is his story. And so it's his story that we are to tell everyone everywhere. It's for everyone everywhere. None are left out. That's where the Great Commission comes from, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Everyone everywhere will have a choice to accept the good news or not, to accept this God news or not. And so let's picture this. There's these headlines, if you will, in heaven and on earth. And what the headlines would read is, for today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. Well, in the timelessness of God, that is still being displayed for each one who's yet to find him. And it's really here, if we just pause for a moment, if this is a headline that's written over our lives in the spirit, which it is, for today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. That is our value. That is our worth for you, for me. That is something that um, there's something really deep there. There's something really profound. Because when that goes deep into our spirit, this rescuer was born for you. That's what answers every situation. That's what answers when hopelessness knocks at your door. That's what answers when there's disappointment or discouragement or fear or anxiety. When that doctor's report comes in, when the bill comes and you don't have the money, that's what answers. That's who answers it. And so it's today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. The promise of the rescuer was fulfilled that day and every day, actually, in the timelessness of God. So here we are. We're still the simple shepherds in the field. Let's not lose the fact that we're, we're those shepherds tonight. And we're in this place of blazing light and glory. And this angel is speaking to us that the hope of the nations is here now. It's no longer in the distance. It's here now. It's this very day. The light of the world isn't coming. He has come. Joy and the joyous news is with you now and forever. And so like David on the hill with the sheep, with the simplicity of devotion, what was David always doing? He was waiting. 
he would sing, he would meditate and he would watch. He would wait, he would sing, he would meditate and he would watch. He would wait, he would sing, he would meditate and he would watch. That's the simplicity of devotion. That's the life that we are called to. That's that heart-to-heart, deep place with God. And what he revealed was the posture of when God often comes, and that is the posture of adoration. I'll tell you, as we close out a decade and enter into a new one, there is no other posture that we could possibly have. It's the posture of adoration. There is nothing else that matters. There is nothing more important. Zechariah in a temple, Mary in her room, the shepherds on the hill. Everyone, everywhere. He is the anointed Messiah, he said, the Lord Jehovah. There is no other. He was saying to the shepherds, as he said to us, and still says to us, the awaiting is over, the watch is over, on your watch the promise is fulfilled. Or on our watch, people, God knew the exact time that we would be on this earth and what we would be watching and waiting for. The promises that he would be depositing our, in our hearts individually and in us as a corporate people, whatever house you were part of, and there are promises in the secret place that he will speak to us individually and corporately. And he says, now watch over it. Now watch over it until I bring it into its fullness. Align yourself with me and my heart. I'll tell you, that word alignment is so key. Aligning our hearts with his heart. And then lining our hearts with the people that we are meant to align with on earth. That's when we were going to see the kingdom of God come forth in a way that all of heaven is waiting for. So there's this promise fulfilled this day. That day, and we know this, I know I'm, what I'm saying tonight is every one of us knows this. But I'll tell you one thing I learned from Rick Joyner, who is my spiritual father, is we must go back to the foundations again and again and again and again. We cannot afford to get away from the foundations. To be a truly prophetic people, the deeper that goes is the higher we can go in the spirit. The shallowness of our foundations will be the shallowness of our prophetic walk. And there's a lot of people wanting all kinds of high-level encounters, but the Lord cannot give them because he loves us too much because we'll topple over and we can fall into all kinds of, I've seen all kinds of crazy things when that is pursued and there isn't the depth of the foundations in going back to, oh, we know that. No, no, we don't. Because you see, every time we gaze at something like this passage, we see again. And we see again, and it causes us to bow again, and it goes deeper. And so all of history changes forever. The calendars of the world are based on A.D. and B.C. Is that not true? 
I mean, it's his birth, is his coming, is the timetable of all of history. Um, it's not B-B-A-B, it's not before Buddha, it's not before Confucius, it's not before Muhammad, it's not before on and on and on. I could go with all of the false out there. Before Christ and after Christ, he came and that was it. No other person, no other king. It's all about Jesus, we know that. The mighty one, the rescuer, the deliverer, the healer, the restorer, the righteous judge, the savior, the merciful one, the eternal light. I mean, on and on, his name's endless. That's who was born today. And it's, as I said before, it's not a, a Christmas card. It's not a Christmas story. It's not cute little pudgy angels, and we know that in this house, floating around in little clouds. I mean, you know, no, this angel that came from the throne, from the very presence of God, with the eternal message of hope. Sometimes I get a little concerned when people tell me, oh, I'm, I'm seeing an angel, and it's just like, it's just so casual, and it's like, really? Huh, Okay. And I'm not being critical. It's never my place to criticize. There's one judge. But things need to line up with this. And so the message that was and is teeming with light, the angel released the glory of heaven. And the shepherds, in that time, we were a despised occupation. They were low on the social scale. The Magi who came, the three wise men, and they're actually more than three, but that's another story, they also came to adore and worship, but they were on the high end of the social scale. And so both came to honor the Messiah. Everyone, everywhere. the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, the prince of peace. They said, the angel said, you will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth in a feeding trough. This miracle sign. A baby wrapped in strips of cloth in a feeding trough. What? That's going to be a miracle? Where's the lightning? Where's the thunder? Where's the gold dust? Don't get me wrong. I'm for anything that God wants to do. I love it all. But we can miss the baby wrapped. Walk right by. Walk right by angels. I've talked to angels, not because I've sought them, because they've come to me in desperate moments. Moments where my life changed, and I didn't have any answers, and I knew everything from that point was going to change, and my choices would determine the rest of my life. It's in moments like that they come. And they come with wisdom. 
And he came, and you know what they talked to me about? This. Actual scriptures, quotes from the word of God. But I'm not trying to impress you or not impress you with my encounters. It's, but on my point of it was, they didn't look like an angel. They looked just like you. And I could have missed it. Matter of fact, I almost did. Came that close to missing it. And so... He didn't come with grandeur demanding this or that and all will bow. Though he will come again, as the word of God says, in a great display. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Is that not true? That's what the word of God says, but that's not how he came. His birth literally revealed the mantle with which he came. And that which he asks us to walk in. Humility and meekness. And meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is strength clothed in humility. Joe, just like you prayed, he came on a donkey, the humble servant of all of mankind. That's how he came. Oh, I want this one's mantle, and I want that one's mantle, and that's all good. I'm for all of that. But I'll tell you, the first mantle I'm running after, the one I want to be clothed in, is the humility of the great priest, the king of all, the chief shepherds that came to serve all and asked nothing. The one who poured out every drop of his blood. Oh, God. And this is what he says in Philippians. We know this, but can we look at this familiar passage again? Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on. What a king. The greatest servant of all came in meekness, in humility. The swaddling clothes were literally like bandages. They were tightly wrapped. This is the culture in that day. They were tightly wrapped around a brand new baby. The rank of a child was determined. It was displayed by what they were robed in. <laughs> and so it indicated by the splendor and the costliness of what the bands were put, the bands were that were put around them. For instance, a fine white shawl tied with a golden band, sometimes used for, the purp for this purpose. Other times, it would be a purple scarf um, fastened with a brooch. But the poor 
would use these simple, broad fillets of common cloth. Hmm. He wasn't wrapped in gold. He wasn't wrapped in purple, though he was and is the king of kings and lord of lords. He was wrapped in common cloth, common strips, something that the simple shepherds in the everyday household would have had. He could have been wrapped in velvet, in silk, in gold, in diamonds, in jewels. Or he could have literally been wrapped in the stars he spoke into existence. Could he not have? Could he not have? Uh, there's going to be a miracle sign. Picture him wrapped like this. Do you follow what I'm saying? And lights and brights and the stars of heaven. He could have. He wasn't. Or he could have been wrapped in the sky itself. Had he spoken to existence, he wasn't. Nope. He and the Father chose long before he was ever put as a seed into Mary's womb how he would be born, how he would present himself, the first presentation of the Savior of the world. The first impression, this miracle sign, the king of glory, the king of glory steps out of heaven, becomes a seed in Mary's womb, impregnated by the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. She carries him. He comes forth. She births the Messiah, the Savior of the world, in a simple manger. And clothes him in simplicity, making a statement and decree for all time. This is what the Father is looking for. We want to be his look-alike. This is what he looks like. This is what the Our Father asks of us. Come simply. Come in humility. Come in adoration. Come with a bowed heart and a bowed spirit. Come and offer to me the gift of simple devotion. I remember once when I was having my quiet time. This was years ago. But there's moments that you have with God that you don't forget. You don't even have to write it down. And I heard him say to me, Donna, who wants me just for me? Who wants me just for me? You see, the place of simple devotion, where, like, Jesus went up the mountain every day to meet with his father. He wasn't going up asking the father anything. Who wants me? Just for me. 
he's still asking that question today. Who wants me? Just come in. You see, the truth of it is, if he never did another thing again, the fact that we are his, we have enough to worship him day and night and night and day and 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 walk in the joy eternal filled with with mercy and grace and expectation every single day that we open our eyes there is the place of day and night and night and day we are his that is enough everything else is his extravagance Who wants me just for me? Are we okay? Is this okay? And so it's from this place. You know, I have two or three favorite Christmas carols, but there's that line. Oh, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels chorus. Oh, night divine. Oh, night that Christ was born. I'll tell you what, if I had a voice like, I don't know, whoever, that would be the voice that I would want to stand on every street corner, that I would want to climb Mount Washington. I would go out to wherever on Gloucester Harbor, wherever it would be, and I would sing that one line over and over and over and over and over again. Because I'll tell you, when we press into that with all of our heart and we get lost in that, that all it is is about him, the angels come. I'll tell you what, it'll flood and it'll awaken entire city and nation. It doesn't take hundreds. It doesn't take every church of a city coming together. It takes two or three who say, oh, night divine, the night that Christ was born, that is enough for all of eternity. I will worship you if you never do another thing. That is enough. Oh, night divine, the night that Christ was born. I'll tell you, we need to get this into our spirit again. Christ the Messiah was born because if he is in us, this God, this one who came, if God is for us, who can stand against us, people? Who? Watch nothing. Absolutely nothing. When we are convinced of that here, I'll tell you, hell is petrified of that. He is petrified of simple adoration. He doesn't care if you stand in this church and prophesy over each other till the cows come home. What he cares about is who is going to fall on their face in holy adoration. I am not looking to be known on this earth. I'm looking that when he is tiptoeing through heaven, I say, Father. That's reality. That's what happens. When we're known in heaven, he stops and he listens. Come on. Who cares about it in the audience of a king or a president? Or some famous whatever or whatever preacher you might have in a pedestal. There's only one throne. I'm going off here, but 
I just get excited about this. He wasn't set on a little throne with jewels. You know, he was not on a little throne with jewels and servants. He was in a feeding trough. This one who is the bread of life, who came to and gave us eternal food and eternal salvation. I am your bread. I am your bread. I am enough. I am the all-sufficient one. I'm the many-breasted one. When you drink of me, you know what that means when he says drink of me, El Shaddai, the many-breasted one? What that means is you literally drink in his nature's. That thing that you can't change about yourself, that you've gone to Saldo, you've gone to deliverance, you've gone to everything, and it is still there. There's only one that can change it. Pardon me for my passion, but I just feel his love so much tonight. I can feel it just going up and down in me. This is serious business tonight, but it's the good news. Because he told me there was a plumb line going into all of us tonight that was going to shift us as we go into new decade. It's not because I'm speaking. It's because I'm bringing forth a simple word of him. So when we drink, when we spend time with him in adoration, we lay our head on his breast and we drink of him, all of a sudden that nature the natures of Christ begin to go in us. And suddenly, what? We're changed. That anger's gone. That insensitivity, that judgment, that critical, that accuser of the brethren, that jealousy, that envy, that comparison, that self-loathing, that self-hatred, that shame, that bitterness, that rage, all that stuff goes. doesn't just go. You get his nature. See, it's one thing to be delivered. It's another thing to have his nature. I'm sorry, but I'm not a struggling little person struggling through life. Oh, my, life is so hard. You know what? Life is hard. He never said it wouldn't be. We have our times of struggle. I have my times of struggle, serious times of struggle. We look up. So where was I? He tried, I don't know, I'm all, over, I'm all over the place. The bread of life, that's where I was. So he leaves the glory of heaven. Let's think about that for a minute. What was heaven like when he left it? He'd never not been there. He was always there. And now he's not. What was it like? I mean, it's different than Miles and Lisa and Victorian. Others, Kelly, others. Let's think about heaven. He's gone. The third person of the Trinity has evacuated heaven. And all of heaven is watching now. Remember, we're, we're still the shepherds on the field here. They're all watching. And the great clouds of witnesses poised, poised. And they do. Portals open, and they watch. And so the angels are standing guard because they're awaiting orders. All of creation is waiting 
creation got it. <laughs> like they got it. They were all waiting. And so the one who's left heaven is now on the earth in the form of a baby. We've established that. But he's vulnerable. There he was, the second person of the Trinity. And now he's this vulnerable baby needing protection. Needing, who's going to guard this one? This one who would and did ultimately destroy death, hell, and the grave. He's now a vulnerable baby. There's no palace guards. There's no earthly trumpets. Da, 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 da. You know, we see that in all the coronations or whatever. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of that stuff, but I have seen it. No great feast. No celebration. No supper. No dance. There's nothing. People were just about their lives. Completely unaware. Busy. They didn't see the signs of their times. Oh, God, help us. Let us be as the sons of Issachar that are not so busy and unaware that we miss the signs of the times that are right before us. Help us, God, as your people, that we will not miss it as we enter into this next decade. I ask a supernatural grace on every one of us in this room that we would not miss it. The Magi watched. They watched. And then they came to see, and they searched out where that star led them. See, all of it was action. All of it was something that was required of them. That's a whole nother message. <laughs> then it says, then all at once, the vast numbers of glorious angels appeared. Oh, my God, this scene. Every time I read this scene, I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just get so excited. Then all at once, the vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all were praising God, singing, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, and a good hope to the sons of men. They are singing this. A vast number of angels, armies, warriors, huh. This angel army of warriors, they knew who this was. This was their commander-in-chief. This is the one called Lord Sabaoth, Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the hosts of the angel armies of heaven. And they're like, we know who that is. He may be in the form of a baby, but we know exactly who that is. And they could not help but sing. And glory to God in the highest. So think about this. Imagine the light now. Think about at the beginning. I said one angel comes. Now you got 10,000 upon 10,000 upon 10,000. The angel armies, do we understand how many angels this was that filled the sky and sang this? I think they heard the sound of heaven that day. Um, brilliance, how far 
would that have illuminated? I wonder who else saw. They hadn't heard what the shepherds heard, but I wonder how many saw the light and heard the song. So the choir of angels now disappear and they're gone. Again, who do they come to? The shepherds, the simple ones, the ones who for many they were considered unclean depending on who they were around. And they came again revealing the Father's heart, the Father who shows himself to the lowly of heart, the forgotten, the forsaken. He comes again and again and again and again and again. And so suddenly this glorious display of light and fire and brilliance is gone. The sky closes up, the portal is shut. And I think about this, I think like, I was walking through the show a couple of weeks ago with Gary, we were going to see the Harriet Tubman movie. If you haven't seen it, oh my God. Anyways. I can't go there. <laughs> go there, but I, I'm, I am going somewhere. As I'm walking, we're walking down to the last theater that only sat 50 people all the way back. Because who's gonna? Who's really interested in Harriet Tubman's story? The real one of the real Wonder Women, woman. But anyways, everybody was like, "Here's this and this and this," and I could hear boom, bam, bam, boom, and you could hear all the noise and all the stuff. And you know, you know that they were probably filled. And again, I'm not being critical. But there is no way that Disney or Hollywood or anybody could capture this scene. That which she's given us in here. My heart breaks when I look at a generation that's raising their kids and their superstars or Wonder Woman or whoever, whatever. Just saying. Oh, that we would be awestruck again at the message of Christ's birth. The rescuer has come for you. That changes us forever. That changes our history forever. Donner before Christ, Donner now that she knows Christ, completely changed. For you, for me. So it goes on to say, the shepherds say, let's go. Let's hurry and find this manifestation that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. You see, it's a time to see for ourselves. Let me tell you, I read <laughs> 10 or 15 books at a time. You know that. <laughs> They're always going. I'm a book reader. I love, I love to study. I love to learn. But it's not for knowledge. I only read what God tells me to read. There is something. It's hunger. It's like there's revelations others have gotten. But I'm not looking to be a parrot. 
I add that to what I know, and then I go deeper. You see, I can only bring forth what God has brought, has um, given me. What you're receiving is what he spoke to me in my quiet time as I meditated on this. You've entered into my devotions. That's what this is. My messages come out of my devotions. It comes out of what he speaks to me. And so I don't try to impress anybody. I just try to bring forth the simplicity of what he's spoken to me because he speaks to me pretty simply. I'm a simple person, but I like the deep things of God. And so um, it's seeing for ourselves. So these are hardworking men. These shepherds are hardworking men. But they believed what their eyes saw. And then they responded with action. And they left their watch and their sheep. That in itself was pretty amazing because that was their livelihood. They were responsible for their sheep. There's nobody to now protect them from the wolves or any predators. They're, they're gone. Like They've left them. Think about that. That was everything to them. That was their world. Day and night and night and day. They were with those sheep. And they've left them for this miracle sign. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lighting in a feeding trough. What did they expect to see? Exactly what the angel had told them. This is how they would recognize him. It wouldn't be a baby dressed in riches. It wasn't a young boy. It wasn't a wise king. It wasn't a king on a throne. It was a baby wrapped in strips of cloth. And who did they encounter? They encountered God on earth. That's who they encountered. God on earth. The promise was now before them. Because they believed, because they acted on the word that was spoken to them, and because they ran, and because they went in search of the promise, Had they not gone, they would have missed it. Had, that had they not believed, they would have missed it. Had they not acted upon it and gone, they would have missed it. Because the baby was not going to go to them. He was a little baby. He came down, and they went to see and to worship. As I pondered on this, I said, Lord, how many revelations have I missed? How many encounters because I didn't wait or wait long enough? Or I didn't ponder, or I didn't seek you, or I didn't listen, or I didn't stay long enough to let you reveal and speak to my heart. And then after you spoke to my heart, wait long enough to respond and enter into dialogue. I didn't run to you in worship, and therefore, I couldn't run with you. Yeah. So upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened to them. 
Everyone, it says, who heard the shepherd's story was amazed and astonished by what they were told. Have you ever really read that before? Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened to them. The whole thing, the angel, the da 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 And everyone who heard the shepherd's story was amazed, astonished by what they were told. They didn't keep it to themselves. It doesn't say who they told, where they went, but they told somebody. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story were amazed and astonished by what they were told. The miraculous sign, no one was healed, no one was raised from the dead, no one was delivered, yet the miraculous sign of Emmanuel, God with Oh, God, if only you do this, then I'll believe. Emmanuel, God with us. When you heal me of thy sickness, then. Emmanuel, God with us. When you give me that job of Emmanuel. God. When you open that nation. God with us. When that prophetic word is fulfilled. Emmanuel. begins there. Fall on our knees. Oh, hear the angels' cries. Oh, night divine. Emmanuel, God is with us. Again, my second song that I've already elaborated on, if God is with us, who can stand against us? If God is with us, Emmanuel. I'm almost done. Um, Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered them. What amazing encounters for them, for her, for the shepherds, they were staggering. These shepherds were undone. I mean, think about it. The angels' songs, their journey, their search. They found this baby in the manger. They, they bowed in worship. They went out and told whoever it says that we're all astonished, whoever they told. And it began, and as the angel said, it has begun, and nothing and no one can stop it. It is no longer B.C., Literally, he is here. The promise has come. Everything now changes forever. And that's the truth in our lives. Once we were not his, now we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We were co-crucified with him. We are co-risen with him. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. What amazing encounters 
It says the shepherds returned to their flocks ecstatic of what had happened. They were praising God and glorifying him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. They were ecstatic. What does that look like? Come on, ecstatic, praising and glorifying God. Can you see them? I mean, can you just see them? They're back to the dock. They probably don't even have a fire. They're probably trying to get the fire going so they can get warm. And there's their sheep. I'm convinced that the angels, you know, the ones that were singing, were just sort of like God of their sheep because they went in obedience to the word of the Lord. The Lord takes care. When we go in obedience, he takes care of whatever is ours. I don't believe for a minute those sheep were left alone. I believe they had that angelic host were singing and carrying on. I think the sheep are probably going, bah, 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 in response because all of creation had been waiting for his coming. I don't think for a moment the sheep were just sitting there eating um, grass like normal. I think they're like, bah, bah, bah. Are you kidding me? Like all these angels are flying around. I don't think so. It's like we really got to get this. Hollywood could never capture this. There is no way. Come on. So they come back. You know, here's the sheep. Everybody's cool. And they, come, they continue. They returned different men. They were not the same. They were shepherds on a hill. They encountered this miracle sign, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. They encountered the promise. They came back singing and praising. They were never the same from this encounter. And no one could take it from them. Nobody could take it from them. They had encountered the promise. Now the angels were gone. Whose songs now filled the fields? Whose songs were ringing out? Their songs now took the place of the angels' songs. They filled the hillside. They filled the valley. Oh, my God, in their decrees, in their astonishment, in their ecstasy over what they had heard and saw, now they were singing and declaring. The problem is if we don't meet with him, if we don't have time with him, if we don't get with the many-breasted one, we don't have a song to sing. We don't have the ecstasy within us. We don't have anything to declare when we go out there. He says, fresh bread every day, every day, face to face with me, all day throughout the day. I don't want you to just have an encounter. I want you to be my holy abode. We're waiting for angels, and he's saying, I'm waiting for your song. Just saying. Glory to God in the highest realm of heaven and a good hope to the sons of men. So an encounter from adoration. And that's what that season, and I've already just said, in every day of our lives is about. An encounter afresh, the promised one. If God is for us, Emmanuel is in us. He's in us if we are born again. The light of the world is within us. Come on, I'm talking about all of the angelic host and what that must, must have looked like. All of them combined are dim compared to the rain. I will not sing 
this little light of mine. Sorry if I've just offended somebody, but I don't have a little light anymore. I got the light of the world. And it's not just supposed to shine. It's supposed to come out of the gateway of our life out of our mouths, out of our eyes, out of our fingers, out of our ears. We are supposed to be leaking the glory of God. Radiant beams of his face are to radiate from ours and our ours. His humility and love and all of his promises are to be ours. How we live and walk each day. Our song is to join the angel's song, the 24 elders, the four living creatures, the 10,000 upon 10,000 around the throne. Our posture is to be one of adoration and worship and declaration of who he is. And our action is to tell the world of the promised one who came down, who walked the earth, who displayed the glory of the Father, who displayed the kingdom of God is at hand, who revealed the one, the Father and the Spirit, who died on the cross for the sins of all mankind, who conquered death and hell in the grave, who rose again with the keys of the kingdom in his mighty right hand and is seated as we know at the right hand of the Father. We all know and declare and decree in this room he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is the lion and the lamb. He is the soon coming king. He is the light of the world. I know every single thing I am saying, we know, we have said, we have prayed, we have sang, but I'm telling you, it is time to let it go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until we truly are immovable, unshakable. We cannot be moved. We will not be moved. Our hearts will not give way. No matter what is in front of us, no matter what is being said to us, we will be unoffendable. We will walk in immediate forgiveness. We will not be envying anybody or anything because we have an audience with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have been given the greatest invitation of all times. So, as I bring it to a close, to seek the encounters with God, and we are going to have a response tonight. To seek encounters with God but it's to simply be with him. It's to simply be with him. He wants us to encounter him, not just know of him, not just hear another story, but that we have our own history, our own history with him. We have to have our own story of encountering God. Because it's there, as I've said earlier, that we are transformed into his likeness and there is no shortcut. In a world that is looking, and even in the church that's looking for drive-through McDonald responses from heaven, I'm sorry, but he is not the cosmic bellboy that we go ding-ding and he says yes. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It absolutely does not. He gave it all, and he asked for our all. Come, follow me. He's never changed his mind, and he's never changed the invitation. 
The problem is that in the body of Christ in many places, and this is not a criticism, this is just a fact, in order to have a large congregation, it's watered down. And it's no longer a costly sacrifice to follow him. It's convenience, and he's going to give you everything you want. He's already given us everything we need. Salvation. Everything else is bonus. Everything. So, it's there we're transformed into his likeness. I'll tell you, the more time we spend in that place simply being with him, here's what we get. We no longer look for man's applause, and we don't need the things of this world. It's here we find out truly who we are and whose we are. And it's not because somebody's speaking it from here. It's because you know it to the depths of your being. It's a plumb line in your life that nobody can move. Nothing moves you. It's here that you find we find our value, his life for ours. That people is our value, his life for ours. If you look any place else, if we look any place else, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like I'm speaking at you. We are on this journey. I just happen to be standing here speaking the message, but I'm on the same journey. His life for ours. That is it. If we look any place else, we get messed up. When I do this, then I'll have, then I'll have. When I do this, even when I use my gift. No, suppose <laughs> the greatest gift we've been given is to be his and to live in union and communion with him. And everything must flow from there. There's a man of God that one of my spiritual fathers told me about. And this man, uh, um, I don't know his name because he's purposely kept his name hidden. But this man, he said if it was, it was, you know, he was well known. But he stepped aside from all of this and traveling the world. And, and that's because the Lord told him to. There's not, you follow what I'm saying? There are <laughs> some are supposed to be traveling the world, just so you get it. You follow what I'm saying? Not that you're not, we're not supposed to be doing those things. It's where we do them from. And so he, the Lord told him and called him, lay it all down. And his house has become a complete place of an abode of God. That it says when people come into his house, they can barely stand. And the last years that he has, however long that is, is to the speak into the life of other leaders and those that God says to. And all he does is show them how to abide. Come into this place. And they say, and when he speaks, it's the wisdom of God because it's coming from the very heart of God. In the last of his life, this is what he's doing because he said, why? It is the greatest treasure and privilege. The greatest one we can know. Pretty astounding. Pretty astounding. So, 
our value, his life for ours, our destiny, sons and heirs of the Most High God. Our journey, Cherish, you can come up. Our journey to live a life of simple devotion with access to heaven and to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Our clothing, his light. He clothes us with his light and he clothes us with humility. I don't know if you've ever read the final quest that Rick Joyner wrote. Powerful book. It was a prophetic encounter he had with the Lord. And as, as they were uh, going up the mountain of the Lord, there was a place that was quite an, quite a, I can't even do it justice, I don't remember every piece of it, I just remember that he was clothed with humility. That he had to choose, there was all these things and he had choices. And he chose the right thing. And he was clothed with humility. And the Lord spoke to him, he said, never take the cloak of humility off. Never take the cloak of humility off. And I remember the Lord showed me he showed me what we look like. What we look like to hell and what we look like to heaven, but we haven't seen it ourselves. We are light. He has clothed us with light. He's in us and he's clothed us with light. Because we are spiritual beings in flesh suits. That's really what we are. We are spirits. We are seated in heavenly places. We're here on assignment. That's the only reason we're here. We're here on an assignment, a commission to fulfill, and then we go home. When we lose that in our lens, we get messed up. That has to stay in our lens. And so we clothe ourselves in this humility of Christ-likeness. who was clothed as a baby in swaddling clothes, the simple common strips of the cloth of the poor. The one who is light clothes us with light and fills us with holy light. He came to live within us. We became his sons. And he calls us to live lives of radical, holy love from union with him. timelessness of, of uh, heaven. We now fast forward from being shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem, going to Bethlehem, 
So here we are, the kingdom awakening. And we turn and we fix our gaze. If you can put the song up. And we adore you. So Father, I pray that as we enter into these two songs, that we would get lost afresh tonight, God. That we would get lost afresh. That we would bow our hearts, oh God, in such a place that you would capture us, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine. You are not a baby anymore wrapped in swaggling clothes. You're seated in a throne and you're seated in our hearts. And we worship you. We worship you. We worship you.